One. Hey everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh podcast. So today's episode is with one of my amazing clients. So Emer has agreed to come onto the podcast to share her incredible story because Emer has been with me twice now, two very different journeys, but both have been very different. But both have had amazing things happen in the, in, during them. So Emer, thank you for coming on. Thank you, Shane. I won't lie to you. It's a bit surreal to be on here. <laughs> Normally hearing that intro, I'm like in the car or out for a walk or definitely not the other side of the phone. But um, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, I've been listening to your podcast since 2019. So um, back when everyone wasn't doing podcasts, when did you start them? Was it 19? Uh, the, towards the end of 18. Yeah. So I remember listening to you first. I'd say I came across you on like Instagram or something like that. And you had the links up and I followed it through because I wouldn't have listened to podcasts. But like, how many episodes have you now? Nearly 400? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's consistency. But like, what makes yours so relatable is, and I think why they're such a success, like, you go off and you do all the research and you always bring back all the facts like from both sides, but you simplify it. You know, you make it so relatable to people and it's not like, you know, you listen to some podcasts and you're like, yeah, in theory, that sounds amazing. But what, how do you actually apply that to your life? But you make it so practical and so relatable and like, it's such an achievement. I don't know if you realize that I was saying to you the other day, like 400 though is huge. Like that's, I don't even know how many that is, but like that's, and they're not even like 20 minute episodes. They're like full on 40, 45 minutes, every one of them. And they're all so relatable and so doable. And yeah, just well done on that before, before we start, because it is, it's amazing. It's such an Thank achievement. Because I know we, we've met twice as well in real life um, mm. as well. And I remember you saying something about like, do you ever just like stop pressing record or do you just ramble? More often than not, it's caffeine and just rambles. <laughs> well, it works. So keep yeah, the coffee. So many caffeine and rambles. Um, so we'll start with who you are and we'll start with your backstory. I think that's the the, the, the important piece. Who am I? <laughs> Still trying to work that one out, Shane. But yeah, yeah. maybe that's good for another day. You might have to get back to me on that one. Yeah. Um, okay. I know I am married with two kids, six and four, and keeping me on my toes to say the least. And um, I'm a teacher. I I suppose just in terms of, because you mentioned it recently on a podcast about changing careers, and I think it's just, it's something that's kind of hit me because it was like I could easily have stayed and I was in a different job for four years. and. Like when I finished college, I would have done a commerce degree, but I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. And I remember at the time, friends of mine were going traveling and working abroad and I went with them and I ended up being away for two years. And when I came back, I was just so broke, like I'd say in debt to my entire family. Probably still am. I did. I paid them back yet. But um, I just needed a job. So I remember going for an interview for a financial services firm in Dublin and just getting it and I kind of just fell into that job it wasn't nothing that I really planned on doing but at the time the economy was doing really well and there was lots of money in there and I remember they put me through financial advising exams and I ended up doing financial advising with them and like had a great few years but I was like it didn't really sit with me well I was like I don't really like this idea of I remember especially at times when I was dealing with customers who had pensions and they were relying on this for their livelihood and they'd be ringing in and like the values of the pensions could have been going down at one stage. I remember the economy then was starting to drop after a few years. I think it was 2010. I can't remember around then there was a recession or something. And I'm like, oh, my God, Like people were ringing in. I'm like, they're retiring soon and I have to tell them their pension is 30% less than it was. And I was like, it just, I was like, this is not for me. So um, I decided that I would apply for, I kind of always had teaching in the back of my head. I wasn't sure whether the holidays appealed to me. I won't lie to you. <laughs> they were the first thing that kind of stood out for me. But then I was like, I like the idea of it. So I applied for teaching when I stayed in the job for about four years in Dublin. 
I didn't leave it until I knew I got teaching, you know, because I had to do a year to qualify after my commerce degree, you know. So I applied for it and got it. And I remember then teaching business for about three years. And I was like, I can't do this for life. Like, and then I was like, this is this me. But like, I, I was nearly 30, I think, when I changed initially from financial advising to teaching. And then I remember teaching business and I was like, like it was like the rinse and repeat of a curriculum. I was like, how do teachers do this for life? You know, the students are different in front of you, absolutely. And they kind of keep you going, absolutely kill you other days, but they do keep you going. And I was like, what will I do? And I didn't, like there wasn't another career I thought I wanted to go into. So I was like, what do I actually enjoy about this or what? And it was the students, you know, and but it was the students in front of me who kind of didn't want to learn or seemed disinterested or didn't really give you anything. They intrigued me more than the kids that gave you everything. I was like, what's going on there? As opposed to the kids who have all the answers and wanted to give all the contributions, you know? So I did a post-grad when I was still teaching in special ed teaching. And when I qualified in that, I went into that in the school I was in. And I that was kind of a change of job within the school. But that's so way more rewarding than just teaching a curriculum subject I found you know it just wasn't for me so I would now for the past seven eight years is it I would have students who would have say dyslexia or ADHD or on the autism spectrum or just struggle in general in school and it's amazing to work with those kids and get to actually I'd have them in groups of maybe 10 from first year right up to leave insert and then some one-to-one but to see interventions like you, I suppose, but your clients, it's the same idea. Like you're putting in strategies and interventions, working together on them. And then when you see them working, you're like, this is amazing, you know, and it's so rewarding as opposed to just standing up in front of them and delivering a curriculum, you know. And um, I just wanted to touch on that change of career because I think it's so important. And I know you mentioned it recently, but like if you're not happy in your job, like you spend most of your life working. And if you're not happy in your job, you look back on retirement and you're like, what have I been doing for the last X number of years, you know? And I know it was easier for me, probably pre-kids, you know, when I changed careers, but it's not impossible to change jobs with kids. Like, you know, you're still going to be working. So, yeah, that's just one thing I would say if there's anyone listening to. Yeah, like it is. A lot of people can get scared by it. Like, I know I did it. I ran the same age as you as well. Like, I don't think if I if I hadn't got sick, I wouldn't have done it. Like, I don't know where I'd be um, if I hadn't done it. But I, it is one of those things. It is scary. But I always knew. Like, I, I spoke to my dad probably about three years after, maybe four years, or yeah, two years after. And he was like, we have to let you try and figure it out. Like, if you if you didn't succeed in going, be going on your own and run your own business, you could always go backwards. But he was like, I have to let you, we have to let you do it. So I know that they had the support, but there was always this doubt in their head. Um, so it's been great having that kind of like this. You've got, you've got a great support network around you as well. So I think that was an important thing for you as well. Um, you've got a really big network. Because uh, yeah. you have a massive family. <laughs> <laughs> absolute country family of seven. But absolutely. And it's too, like, yeah, we'll get into it as we go along. But like, they would be everything to me you know and um they would always support anything I did and I suppose even from an early age mom would never have pushed me into anything or you know to do anything it was like whatever I was happy doing and when I was thinking about changing careers she'd always encourage it um it was just our happiness that was it that's all she wanted at the end of the day it wasn't about staying in a job for like a pension or whatever that was never brought into it you know so I suppose you know, when you see that or, you know, that's taught to you, then it kind of encourages you to, yeah. no, massively. to move along and to make changes. Yeah, massively. Yeah. Um, so, start out with you. Yeah, Can I talk so, about starting out with you? Because it just, it kind of feeds into the podcast. Um, I remember just by listening to your podcast and following you on Instagram, like I actually lost a significant amount of weight and I was like, Christ, this guy is good. Like, I'm not even, I hadn't even spoken to you at this point, but just by listening to what you had to say, like, 
I think it was Bach. And like, I would never have struggled with weight in my teens or early 20s. I was always really active, played a lot of hockey and sports and just didn't struggle at all. It was more my mid-20s, kind of late 20s and into the 30s. And I remember listening to your podcast here back in 19 after having my two kids. I'd say it was just after having my second, actually, in 19. And I remember listening to your podcast. And I was like, got to a certain point and I was like, I'm going to contact him now. And I remember then going, it was December 20, I think. I think it was 20 that we had our first welcome call. And I started with you in January 21. And I remember starting with you, I was like, I was just going to be with you for three months. And that was the intention going in. I was like, three months, I lose weight and I'll be happy. And that was it. Like, so I remember getting to a significant point and I was really happy, you know, with the results I got. I remember leaving you and you were like, you knew I wasn't ready to go, but I remember you were like, I'd love to hold on to you. And I was like, well, this will be fine. I can do this myself. But I, deep down, I'd say I knew I wasn't. But at the end of, I'd say at the end of 21, I'd say I'd put back on whatever weight I'd lost. I was really unhappy. I remember into 22, just, just being so unhappy in so many areas of my life. And I would have always kind of blamed it on the kids, which is awful. But like the boys never slept either of them until they were three. So for those five years from 17 to 22, like I wouldn't have got a night's sleep. Like we would have taken it in turns, me and my husband, but like you're not at the same house. So you wake up, you know, so it was just like that tiredness was always there. <laughs> but I didn't realize how, impactful that was on your life you know I didn't realize the impact sleep had on everything you know and I remember then I remember so well it was December it was Christmas last Christmas and I was out for a walk and I don't know what but something was pushing me to contact you know I wouldn't have been in touch with you since the previous March and it's so weird because I would delete contacts in my phone like if I every Christmas I'd say actually I'd go down through and I'm like right I'm not going to contact this person again delete but like your contact your contact it wasn't even a conversation to delete it. So maybe subconsciously I knew I was going back to you. I don't know, but it was there. And I remember voice note you and you were in London or something. I remember you were away at the time and you were like, look, the best thing would be just to fill out the client form. I'd be in touch with you. And I was like, perfect. And I remember even like, I was so naive (laughs) to what we were about to embark on. I remember the client application form. I was probably sitting here and I remember the kids were running around the place and I was literally like, not even thinking about what I was answering to the questions. I was literally like, boom, 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 submit, grant. But oh my God, Trent, I'll never forget the call, the welcome call with you, like a week later or whenever you did it. Like to say I was uncomfortable <laughs> would be an understatement. I remember the questions you were asked and I was like, I'm actually going to hang up on them. And then I was like, stop. And like, even back, you were so clued in, like you knew there was way more going on. Like, and I know that, like you have a skill and you can see that I know that now from working with you through the year but like back then I was like he's actually reading my mind here so you were like something happened in your life to you know cause you basically I was talking about how I would overeat the whole time and evenings particularly and basically numbing my emotions and would never have dealt with my emotions and you were like something happened and like I remember in my head having this conversation as you were asking me and I was like my dad died when I was 13 never dealt with it and I was like, but why would he want to know that? Like, I was clueless of the connection. I was like, what has that got to do with me going back with Shane to lose some weight and count some calories? Genuinely, that's what I was thinking. And we're on the call about an hour and you were like, I'm happy to eat. And I was like, oh, my God. So I was like, look, I said, when I was 13, dad passed away and I never dealt with it. And you were like, that's it. And I remember at the time going, still not seeing the connection. Like, I was really, really clueless to what we were about to embark on. And then I was like, well, why would it only have been in my 20s and 30s? And then I was just like, Emer, just stop. Like, just, it gets to a point where you just hold that in for your entire life. And I'm just like, let it go, you know? So I will never forget. I was so grateful to you after that call. I hadn't even started with you, but I remember messaging you going, thank you so much for being so patient and knowing there was more going on there, you know, at the time. But um, yeah, that was the, the start of it all. <laughs> it's been such yeah, journey yeah. since January. I remember that phone call because I remember you came to me and you kind of went, I want to lose weight. And I was like, we kind of looked back and reviewed the last time we were working together. Um, And we were kind of looking at little trends and stuff and seeing what was going on. 
because you, you like you did really well in the first in the first round but i always felt there was something mm. kind of lurking in the surface in the in the weeds so yeah. when we had that conversation again and i, I know one of the sense that always struck me when we were kind of having a conversation was like that you always say you used to say that you weren't very good at sharing or weren't very good at talking. And I was like, Emer, mm, you're pretty good at talking. I've met you twice. You're pretty good at talking. So, yeah. but it was, it was kind of like, well, I had to, I had to rein you in. It was kind of like, I had to manage your expectations. So they say, I was kind of like, we're not really ready to lose, go on like an out and out weight loss journey. We had to look, we had to look at other different things. Um, and I think when that penny dropped for you, when you were kind of like, right, I've been numbing x y or z i genuinely think just this like light bulb went off and i I just i like almost in your check-ins and even when we were talking on voice notes and stuff you could almost hear your shoulders were dropping and the pressure was kind of releasing and stuff like that as well so like it's been pretty cool to see the change that you've made from the first one to the second one and now what we've been working together for what eight months now nine months now with the when the second stint but it's been very different journey it's been very very different um yeah i remember you at the very start talking about that like and i am well able to talk but when it comes to actually speaking about my emotions and how i feel that's the issue you know that's where i, I struggle you're pretty good at <laughs> I am now, I am now, but back at Christmas, I wouldn't have been like back on that welcome call. No way. Like well, I remember, I remember, I think it was in March that you sent me a text that you were kind of struggling a little bit. And I was kind of like, right, I think I had like an hour gap or something like that on my schedule. I was kind of like, right, let's jump on a call. So I think I video called you on WhatsApp. And that was what I think that was genuinely for me, the breakthrough moment for me for you when you were kind of like actually ready to properly properly share what was going on because you were open enough I to don't say, like to say right i'm struggling yeah. and that was like right there's 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 something going on here and i think there was a lot of kind of like kind of like a widget in a guinness can kind of rattling around in your head you didn't know how to get it out and didn't know what direction so we were like let's just deal with one thing at a time and then yeah yeah that was it. There was so much going on. It was just so many areas in my life that I didn't think I was dealing with you. Like, I honestly was like, it would be calories and whatever. But like, I had no idea what was in store. Like, literally naive would be an understatement. But um, I remember you introduced at first the whole thing of the food and mood journal. And I was like, do you want to explain what that is? I don't know. Did yeah. You know so that? sometimes with, so like, I would say, 70 to 80 percent of my one-to-one clients don't actually count calories uh, and then whoever's in the female fat loss group everyone counts calories in that um because it's just the way that it works with because I, there's a lot more hand hands-on approach with the one-to-one but with the one-to-one with the food and mood journal is if someone is struggling with kind of emotional eating or negative emotions or stress eating or whatever like that we need to be aware of like what's actually causing the eating so in order to do that, we need to create some sort of like black and white piece of paper saying writing it out and having a pause in between someone eating and where they're eating and noticing a trend. Because most people just do things like in the living room when they're like watching TV, they don't even they're not even aware of it. So the whole purpose of the sheet is to introduce a pause and saying, right, am I actually hungry? What's actually going on? And in fairness, I've had clients who haven't immersed themselves into it because they're, they're too fearful of dropping the stories. But in fairness to you, you were kind of like, there was a little bit of teething problems at the beginning. Like it was just like a little bit of kind of like like one foot in, one foot out, one foot in. I was like, if you fully commit to this. I remember you introducing it and I was like, like again, you were so patient. I would have been like, exit this client. But anyway, um, when you introduced it first, I was like, I can't do this. Like, I remember about two weeks into it and you were like, I think you even phoned and you were like, what is wrong? Like, you have to pause for longer than 30 seconds. But I'm like, I know now I didn't want to sit with my emotions because it was too difficult. Like, it was too uncomfortable. But then I was like, cop on, like, seriously, like, apply yourself to this. I think you even said, like, what would you do if it was one of your students? (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm like, you're right. I needed that. No, I needed someone to say, pop on. So I, when I applied myself to that, oh my God, I think that was the basis for actually dealing with how I was feeling, you know, and why I wanted to know my feelings in the evenings. Yeah. Um, because there was so like, initially, do you know what actually, even prior to that was just, I remember you and you always talk about just three meals a day or whatever, like a couple of snacks. Like honestly, that idea of setting in a structure of just three meals, having that in place was such a basis then following that food and mood, you know? So I knew at the end of the day, if, I was feeling whatever way. Did I actually eat during the day? You know, so that would be the first thing. It's like, did I actually eat today? And then when I realized I haven't eaten since lunchtime, that's why I want to eat the world in the evening. You know, that idea. And that was it. Then and it the was whole, like. The whole purpose of that sheet, because I knew from the first time that we worked together, it was like, right, because of your job, you like, you're either on yard duty or your times aren't yourself or you're in the, you're in the, the, the room or whatever it is teaching. So I, from having coached a lot of teachers, you go a long time without eating and then you have to rush eat to get back to the class after maybe yard duty or whatever it is and then you're finished school or whatever half two or three or four o'clock whatever it may be and then you're really really tired and really really fatigued from the whole day and then if, if you haven't eaten for or lunch or eating like that you're going to end up eating the press so the three meals two or three snacks was a really really easy simple framework but people are like it can't be that easy i'm like yeah. But it's I knew that was the thing when you were saying, like, we're not counting calories this time. And I remember, but I was actually so accepting of it. I think I just got to a stage where it was like, he's right. And I was like, just go with them at this point. You, you know, you fought it for long enough. Just go with them. So I, that's three meals. But like, when you think about it, like, that's what our parents did like that's what we did as kids like it was just three meals that's what our grandparents did I know it's very different times and you can't really compare there's a lot more involved now but like really it's as simple as that yeah but it's, but very, like, actually, it's very hard to accept that it is that simple like, well, nutrition is a simple concept what yeah. overcomplicates it is when emotions and food rules come into it that's what overcomplicates like food is a base like it is very very simple and easy to understand mm. but People don't like if you look at it right now is we probably know, know more about nutrition right now than we've ever known. Mm. And people are still more confused mm. because yeah, so they don't know who to believe. They don't know what to believe. They keep reading these sensationalist headlines on certain newspapers yeah. <laughs> and they keep following idiots on social media and watching mm. these TikToks saying like sweeteners will give you worms or whatever the fucking new rule yeah. All but right. it's just as well I think it's and you've said it before about the addiction to restriction and it's so true like if you feel like you want to like lose weight or whatever like the first thing is you're like I need to restrict like something has to be restricted here it can't be just three regular meals you know so it has to be more difficult than that you know that sounds like I'm not doing it then or you know I'm not going to make progress but when we actually before we even did the food and mood and just focused on meals like the progress I could feel it in my clothes. I was like, we weren't even weighing or anything, but I was like, I could feel it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is literally from just going back to basics. You know, when that hits home, it's like, wow, you know, it's unbelievable. But with the food and mood, anyway, back to that, because that was definitely the basis for, like I, there was evenings there and I remember there was so many areas of my life and I'm not going to go into too much detail, but like, there was like, I remember being really lonely and eventually when I realized why I was lonely, it was because I was keeping I needed to have conversations with loved ones that I didn't want to, you know, when I was putting this up and building it up for years, I would say. And I remember when I realized that was the issue, or if I couldn't verbalize it, I'd write, I would never have journaled. And I remember writing it out and I was like, this is it. This is what I need to do. But I remember finding it so difficult to make that step. And again, you were so, <laughs> so freaking patient. It's like saying Shane Walsh fitness it should be. But I remember one Friday, you like have that conversation. I think it was with my husband or something. You're like, have that conversation. And I was like, Shane, I don't think I can. And you were like, well, what was it? You said something like, don't and stay where you are or do and move on. And I'm like, what a dick. <laughs> but so right. Like if I had a coach who was like, 
you know, I know it's really difficult, you know, see how you go. I'd be like, yeah, we'd see how I go. That would never happen. So I needed someone like you, like I really did, because, and I think you realized that pretty early on. You were like, okay, the nicey, nicey approach does not work with you. And it doesn't. Like, I need someone to go cop on and do it. But like, when I made those steps, like to say it changed, like, because I was so unhappy in my, in so many personal, like my, my relationship because of that, because it was so much I was holding in that I wanted to say to my husband and I couldn't. And when I did to say our relationship has like, it's like a different relationship. And I'd say he doesn't realize how much he owes you to, <laughs> but like, it's, those areas, there's no, like, I had no idea doing this food and mood that I would hit on those areas, you know, and it was just, I think that was the basis for, I remember after about two months of doing the journaling or the food and mood, and then I remember you were like, I think you said, okay, I'd say you, you're okay to move on now, was then you, you've got it. I remember not wanting to stop it then, and but I did continue it. I still do it, but I just don't write it out, you know, yeah. I still but I remember at the time I was like, okay, I'll just do it for another couple of weeks. And you're like, okay. And then after a couple of weeks, I remember sending them over to you. And I was like, I think I'm done. I don't need to send these anymore. And you're like, yeah, you've got this. Like, and now I can, and I do. Like, I can't remember. <clears throat> I remember meeting you and saying this to you. Like, of course I overeat now and again. Like I do. But like, I can't remember the last time I've sat in the evening and just ate a, like a 10 snacks for no reason you know I obviously you know I won't restrict myself if I want to them I'll have them but now I'm able to sit with myself and actually it's nearly like split myself into I can look in and go what is actually going on with Emer? what does Emer need now like and that's that's as simple as that like maybe it's just to talk to my husband maybe it's talk to a friend maybe it's actually to eat something because I haven't eaten during the day um maybe I need to just get out and go for a walk something as simple as that but I wouldn't have ever done that I would have been just like straight into numbing how I was feeling you know so they were I think that's when I had most of the groundwork done um with your guidance and kicking up the ass I think that's when most of it was done back then in those two months earlier on I can assure you I'm not an asshole if anyone's listening to this. It's just sometimes, like, sometimes people need the arm around the shoulder, which Emer got, and sometimes people just need a bit of a shake to go in a different direction. But, like, because I remember the conversations, there was an awful lot of, like, there was a lot of stories protecting you. And one of the things I always say is, cool story, bro. Mm. But, like, you always that, questioned everything. You were so right, too, because it was all... BS, like a whole lot of it. Yeah, but like a lot of it was like a lot of it was been there for a while. So like it almost becomes the truth. But for 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 a massive chunk of it, but like I have to like you were also patient with me, and what I mean by that is you weren't you weren't afraid to question why we were doing certain things. But you were also like, well, I need to do this for another couple of weeks just to kind of give myself some sort of clarity and trust myself. And I was kind of like, yeah, I had to let you go off and do certain things or let you go off and try different things and see and figure them out for yourself. Because if I had pulled a rug from under your feet and said, right, you're only going back to counting calories or that you need to go away from the moon and food journal straight away, I do think there would have been some sort of element of fear would have been kind of ramped up completely for you. And you need to deal in certainties. Mm. So you're like, right, I just to trust myself for another couple of weeks. And then you're kind of like the, what you said there about kind of checking in yourself and saying, right, what does Emer need? Like that, that for some people listening to this, they might find that too wishy-washy, but it does work. Mm. Like it's such a simple sentence. Yes. That and would have been, when I was talking to you in December, if you had said that to me then, I would have been like, okay. But it's when you actually start to sit with yourself it, it becomes easier then but like that's time is so uncomfortable but so worth it like don't you feel like giving up because you're like 40 years of your life not dealing with your emotions and then you're like christ what is this but like to go through that and then come out the other side like it's a different person than who was speaking to you in december you know um 100 like you yeah. um you went on a different journey as well, though. I'm not sure how much you want to talk about it because I know you've you've sent me over notes on post-its. Um, 
Bullet pointed. Bullet pointed. <laughs> so much to teach you. Um, in relation to the different journey that you went on, because I can only get someone so far. I'll always stay in my lane on certain elements of things in relation to the mental health side of things. So I'm going to let you talk about this now because this is your journey. Mm. Um, I remember it was about, we were about three months in, so it was around March time, maybe April actually, I don't know exactly, but I remember you suggested counselling. And I remember when you said it first, I was like, really? Like I would have been of the opinion of, I don't need counselling. I'm not bad enough to need counselling. What would I need counselling for? Genuinely, I was like, so I didn't really, I was, I don't know what I even said to you, but I definitely wasn't considering it. And then you brought it up again a few weeks later. And I thought about it properly then. And I was like, I remember you actually saying this to me and it was so true because, sorry, just to, to say, I don't think I've actually said, did I say it, say it? I'm not sure. But my dad passed away when I was 13. I did say, it, sorry, yeah. Um, and I never dealt with that. Like, it was just like it happened and then you get on with life, you know? And I remember you saying to me, is it that you think you would forget the memories you have of your dad? And I was like, that is it. Like, that is 100% it. That's why I don't want to talk about this. Like, I've never talked about this to anyone. Like, when you're 13, when do you start remembering things? I don't know, when you're four or five. So really, what, I had eight years of memories with him like that's very minute like on a scale of life you know so to have those memories and I would have been very close to him um very close to mom as well but I think there's always one parent you're closer you're closer to I think it's I think it's like me and mom would be very alike so it's nearly like whoever your personality is like you know you're, you're closer to the opposite person does that make sense i don't know i find that anyway that makes sense I, I would say it's the same in mine like i'm i'm an absolute mama's boy uh absolute mama's boy and then i like i like i'd be very similar to personality to dad but i definitely have got closer to dad in as an adult rather than as a kid i used to just revolt as a teenager yeah, so, um, yeah, I remember when he died, like, how quick I wanted to just, I suppose, again, it's back to control, and it's such a control thing, even back then when I was 13, and now you're always like, I do have my hand sending you over the flashcards with bullet points on what we're going to discuss. Do not fear off these things. I don't, but, like, <laughs> I back then, like, I remember he was in Vincent's in Dublin and basically cancer. And they were like, look, there's nothing we can do. It's spread like, and he wanted to come home. And I remember it was September time. So I think this is always a tough month for me anyway. Like I was struggling a bit recently, but I always find it that back to school time, because especially now that I'm still in the school environment, I find it difficult. And it was a particularly hot summer when he died. So I think the weather and everything just very like it. It has been very like it in the last few weeks, but um, I remember him coming home and we didn't start school that September. Say so we were basically in the house and he's he died on the 20th of September. And I'll never forget it was during the week. It was like a Wednesday or Thursday and then it was the funeral and everything. And like I was back in school the following Monday. And it wasn't that mom was pushing us. Poor mom was just survival mode at this stage. It wasn't like she was pushing us to go back to school. But we wanted to, like there were seven of us in it. And I think it was the only thing that we kind of wanted some sort of normality. Even at that stage, we were so young, but like, like I went straight back into school and then you just move on through school. And when I think back, I was more worried about like my siblings because I was like, I'm third in family. And I was like, at least I have those memories. I was thinking of my younger sister and she's like seven at the time. And I'm like, she's not going to remember him, you know? So I'm her thinking about, then my older brother, my dad, would have a, had a big farm. My brother basically would have taken over. Now, he was only 15 at the time and saying that. Now, dad's parents were alive. And I suppose granddad would have helped him a lot, you know, my brother. But he was only 15. When I think of it, like, he did his leaving cert along with running a huge farm. It was insane. Like, and it did really well at his leaving cert. So I don't know how he did that. But, like, I was more thinking of him. And I'm like he has to literally grow up overnight. And I was never even looking at me. I was just thinking of everyone else and how, and then I was like, poor mom, like, and it was always looking out at other people. And 
never thought about how I was feeling, you know, or how it affected me. And I remember meeting people like for years after because dad would have been quite involved locally in loads of things. And he was popular, like he knew a lot of people and they'd always be bringing him up in conversations. And I couldn't talk about him. Like I just, because I'd never spoke about it, I was like, I'm actually going to start crying now. I can't actually speak his name. So I'd be standing there and they'd be talking about something. And I'm like, that was my life. Like it literally went through life not being able to process it because I didn't process it, you know? And it was so traumatic a time that I just, like, I don't think I ever, my emotions ever matured from there, which is really a weird thing to say, but I don't know if I'm saying that right. But like when I was 13, yeah, I never doubted it. So it was always there. But when I eventually was like, yeah, I'm going to go to counseling again. Thank you so much. I would never, ever have done this without you. But when I went to counseling, like I went in with the fear that I was going to lose those memories and those memories were like gold dust. I was like, oh, my God, they'll be gone. But like I actually remembered so much more. It was the opposite. I'll never forget one session. I think I messaged you after it. And I remember being in there and we were in about 10 minutes. And the counsellor was going back to the time that he died or whatever, I, around that time, something around then. And she was talking me through it. And then all I remember was the counsellor going, Emer, Emer. And I'm like, did I fall asleep? I was genuinely like, what just happened there? And I would be find it very hard to switch off. Like I would be the type of person that would always be on and find it hard to go deep within myself. So she was like, sorry, we're going to have to finish up now. It's just 10 minutes over the hour. There's someone waiting to come in. And I actually said to her, did I fall asleep? And she's like, what? She said, no, no. And I was like, oh, my God, that was insane. Like, it felt like I was hypnotized, but the memories, there wasn't. But, like, she was talking me through. But, like, the memories, the detail I had of that time was crazy. So I went into counseling thinking I was going to lose memories. But I actually ended up coming out with more. You know, and that's so lovely because I didn't think I had them, you know. Um, And then just from going to counselling as well, I just find it so easy to talk about dad now. Like I can talk about him to you. If that was before Christmas, I wouldn't be able to bring him up in conversation. Like literally couldn't. And even my husband would always have been asking over the years and I would always have said a certain amount, but I just couldn't. I couldn't talk about it. And. Now, I think it's just such a lovely time because the kids are at the age now and even in the last two years, they would be asking about dad, you know, and I have a picture up at the house and they'd be like, and where did Granted John live? But like, they wouldn't understand that he lived at home and they're like, oh, right. But like, when they asked questions a couple of years ago, I'd be like, really basic, you know, but now I talk about him a lot. And it's so lovely to be able to do that because he was such an important person in my life that I'm so happy now that I'm able to talk about him, you know, and even I met, was it a couple of weeks ago, I met this guy in the local area and he was like, he said, I remember years ago, he said, when not years ago, he said, when I was in school working on your farm for a summer, your dad gave me like summer work. Now, if that was this conversation with him back in three months before Christmas, I would be like, all right, and not respond to it. I wouldn't have been able to. And I was like, oh, no way. I said, what was going on? And he was like, full conversation about what he did. And he said, like he said, he's the reason I actually went into farming. And I was like, that is amazing. And I was able to talk about him. And he said, he just went out of his way to show me how to do all these different things and how to work things on the farm. And he said, I'm actually, he said, we, we are not from a farm. But he said, I ended up doing like farm advising or something. And I'm like, that's so incredible to hear. And I'm like, that's so lovely. And he's like, he was such a gent. And I'm like, he was. And I could have that conversation with him. And counselling has allowed me to do that because I've been able to process that time of my life that, like, people, like, it's just such a difficult one, grief, like it is. It's It just affects every part of your life. And you put on this front that it's all fine, but, like, there's just, just the loss of a parent or a sibling or son-daughter, you know, that close contact. Like, to lose a grandparent if they got to a certain stage, like, obviously it's really upsetting, but it's, the nature of life you accept it but I think of someone of the close nature of a parent it's just it's not natural you know for them to go that young and especially like dad was 42 that's what I'll be on my next birthday like I'm like he was so young like incredibly young you know and I think when people lose someone like that they think that 
you know, you just when you're young, when you're only 13 or whatever age, you think it's okay to just move on. But like, it just eats away at you is the only way I can describe it. Like, it's always there. And don't get me wrong, the void is still there. It hasn't gone because I've gone to counselling. But counselling has just helped me process it, you know. So I would say to anyone that's listening who has lost to someone of that nature, you think you might be okay. I thought I was okay. Um, but you will be a different person when you actually go and because you don't have those conversations with you might talk about whoever you've lost to a certain extent but you'll never go into that detail or go back to that time because it's too upset for you you know but when you actually talk to some professional about it it's like a ton weight lifted I can't describe it it's just it's really hard to describe but I feel like a different person and I am so indebted to you, Shane. I said it to you before, like, honestly, if dad was here, he'd be the first to shake your hand because, honestly, I would never have made that move. Like, there's no way I would have thought I was bad enough for counselling. Not a fear of it. I would have been like, I don't need it. I'm grand. I've got this far in my life. And, yeah, that's my one piece of advice there. If you've lost anyone, just talk to someone. And, like, there is free services. It is expensive counselling, but there's free services. I would say use it. You won't know yourself the other side of it. Thank you for sharing that. That's okay. Um, yeah, there are free services, but there's a new um, service called BetterHelp, which is affordable counselling. So you pay monthly for it, but you get it. You talk about you kind of it's an app, and you sign up on a monthly payment or whatever it is, and I think you get like four sessions a month out of it. I think. Um, but you get assigned based off where how you're feeling or what your need is, and then you have this recurring meeting with someone. So like, like that's one way to do it. It's probably about fifty percent cheaper than probably normal counselling, so it's a lot more affordable. Um, like I'm a huge advocate of counselling. Like I wouldn't be here if I didn't go to counselling. That's me being blunt. Like that's me being it saved my life. So, um. Yeah, like I, I'm a huge advocate of it. I know I understand where people are at when they say that it can't, they don't feel it's for them or I understand where people are saying that it's not, that they're not like, oh, I'm not ready for it or oh, I don't feel I need it. But it's kind of at the same point, you're kind of like, if your arm was broken, you'd go get a fix. If your engine was broken in your car, you'd go get a fix. But why is it when our head, we have to like literally hit the rock bottom with our head or our mental health for it to like for people to go and look after themselves? Unfortunately, I think that's where people needs to go or go to rather than actually check in and say, right, I probably could do with actually talking to someone. But I think now that you feel that you like, I remember a text message you sent me about a meeting with your sister or one of your sisters mm-hmm. about like she said you just you just look different or you just coming across a lot more different or just look happier it was nothing about how you looked or anything like that it was more like you just seem a lot more content and I think that was from the work that you've done yeah because I wouldn't have seen her since I had started with you you know and then she was home from um, London and she was like what the hell have you been doing she was like just to talk to you you're a different person and I was trying to explain the magic of Shane Walsh to her over coffee. But um, yeah, it's incredible. Like, but like though, like counseling, yeah, I just would recommend it to anyone. It will just the release it gives you is incredible. Absolutely yeah. incredible. So, um, and everyone's winning around you as well, like yeah. um, like the relationships at home, the kids, your family everyone else wins as well when you start to look after yourself and i think the i think there was a few sentences that were kind of said along the way that i think they just like they may not have hit home for other people but i think sometimes i don't even know what i say half the time i'm not gonna lie um so i don't know what even lands anymore i sometimes like i I could say something to like it's funny when sometimes on the feedback from podcast episodes with clients or sometimes when you go off on a rant on a podcast someone will be, you'll pick out something else laura will pick out something else sarah will pick out something else it's just funny what you what we take from different things 
Uh, it's where you are at that time in your life, I think, as well. It's what you relate to, you know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, my whole thing was the element of, like, stop caring what other people think. The very first podcast I ever listened to was the one that got me to go to cancer. God, wow. And I would stop caring what other people think. Like something simple. It's like, well, yeah, I probably heard it a million times growing up and stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I, I know my dad has said it to me several times, but it's like sometimes it just needs like to be said. It's I don't, yeah, it's just funny. Um, I think I know we've got kind of like a little bit of short on time, but I think the last piece we're going to talk about now is the the big the big one is another big one is the um or a big piece is the the body confidence and the body image for you because i think that was it's also been a massive massive journey and non-scale victories and accepting Mm -hmm. you for you because i know that can be difficult particularly for moms in particular um i know dads can struggle with it too or parents can struggle with it too but i think moms can struggle with it an awful lot how what how how do you feel that's changed for you in the, since we started? Um, just leading into that, I just want to, because I can finish off talking about that, but I just wanted to talk about the summer of 23 because this was just a big one for me. Oh, yeah. Um, and it probably leads into what you're talking about there now in terms of body confidence, body acceptance. But like summertime for me was always like off for June, July and August, basically you know, there's more stuff on during the summer anyway. You know, there's more events on, you're meeting more people. But for me, it was always a time where I just was like, these are my three months off, even pre-kids, post-kids, whatever. It was like, I'm going to eat the world. I'm going to drink the world. These are my three months. And then it would come to the end of August and I'd be going back to school and I'd be like feeling like crap, basically. And I'm like, here we go again. And back to the binge strike cycle then. And it was just like, I was so fed up of it. But this summer... Like it was incredible. And I didn't realize it in the summertime. It was only at the end of August when I was going back to school. I remember doing my check-in one Sunday evening. It was probably before I was going back to school or something. I don't know why, but I looked back over the summer, you know, June, July, and August. And not once did I think about my weight, how I looked, how I felt. Like I had the best summer. Like there was I would say I had something on every week. You know, it was busy summer, like meeting loads of people, but I was looking at because I do weigh in, and I was looking at the weight of like just overall the average weigh-ins. And I was like up and down, up and down, whatever by you know, each way in by whatever. Can't even remember. But I remember thinking it that's maintenance. Like I didn't get the idea of maintenance but I was like that is it and it just hit me and I was like what was different about that summer that allowed that to happen you know where it never came into my head about weight loss but yet I was maintaining let me tell you what the difference was yeah (laughs) go go you were being present shame that's it and thank you Another golden nugget from the king here. <laughs> like I remember on check-ins, you'd be always saying, like, if I was at something, an event or something, you'd be like, I oh, hope you enjoyed it and got to be present. And I'm not going to lie to you. I was like, is this like a South Dublin thing that they're like <laughs> a Black Rock thing? I'm not sure. <laughs> I used to be like, is this like, I hope you got to be present. Like, what is this? So i not going to lie. I kind of ignored it most of the time. But when I really <laughs> But when I realized what you meant, to say it changed my relationship with family, friends, and in turn food would be an understatement. So I remember it was probably like, I'd say it was actually after the first month of the holidays, it probably was into July. And I was like, I know what he means. I'm going to practice this. I remember then like I'd be meeting friends and like the phone would be left in the car and by me being present with whoever I was with it was actually made me present with my food so I actually knew when I was feeling full then you know so it actually was like okay as a byproduct of me being present with whoever I'm with 
I'm now realizing that I'm actually, I don't need to finish whatever this is that we're eating. If I get to a point and it's three quarter ways eaten, that's fine. I feel full content. I would never have done that before. It would have been like, I bought that, finish it. You know, that was the whole thinking behind it. And when you practice, now don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not present 100% of the time, 70 maybe, but like, you know, 70% is, it makes you realize how absent you've been. And like, it's crazy. Like when you actually sit back and think about it, like the power you give to that piece of plastic is insane. You know, you are giving up precious. And I know I, I say precious because I know what it's like to lose someone so early. So like, especially I think about mom at the moment as well, because like she's my only parent. So like times with her are so precious. Now I would never think of if we're doing something of being on the phone in front of her. And for anyone who has kids, oh my God, like before I start practicing this, like the boys be like, mom, will you put your phone down for a minute? And it's only when I start practicing being present, I'm like, oh my God, what are they seeing here? Like they see this piece of plastic as being a priority over them, over their attention. And that's it. Like you're giving your attention to this. That's all they see it as. That's nothing to them. They're four and six, so they don't know what it is. But what message is that telling them, you know, and then they go and practice that in their life because they see mom or dad on the phone the whole time. So that's what you do. And then you kind of wonder why teens are stuck to the phones constantly because that's what they're seeing, you know, and we get the effects of that school as well where they can't concentrate because they're so used to being kept going, 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 and they have to sit there now. And like we see it hugely. And it's crazy. And it's just going back to that. It's only when I actually started to practice that presence that I realized, oh, my God, how absent are you in reality, in life? You know, just incredible. Incredible. Um, but again, I'm not saying I am present always. Definitely no not. One is, no one is. No one is. Like, there's times my head goes wandering a lot. Mm. A lot. Mm. It's just raining back in half the time. Mm. But I, it's just incredible, like what a phone can do. Like the yeah. power you give it, the power you give it is insane. But um, that whole thing with being present, I think that was the starter to that summer being so incredible and where, like, you always talk about values and like I know like family friends are going to be there anyway so when I'm with my family and friends yes I'm going to eat more around them than I probably would have but the biggest thing for me was if I'm out for a dinner with whoever or whatever is going on the next morning I would have been like I went out for dinner yesterday evening so there is the weekend gone now Saturday let's do this let's do this it was like a continuous roll of it and then back to eating clean on Monday and I remember then when it hit me, I was like, it's as simple as literally having your normal breakfast. I'm like, it can't be that simple. But it has, it, when that hits, like, it's just like, it's game changing. But you have to realize it is as simple as that. And I think it's the accepting. And when people used to say diet is a way of life, I used to be like, what are they talking about? You can't be on a diet for life. But I get it now because it is my life you know but I ate out I'd say every second day over the summer if it wasn't for lunch I was meeting for someone for lunch it was going out for dinner it was having drinks but I didn't feel like I had to drink the world either you know I'd have a few drinks now I'm actually okay now towards if it was like a year ago I'd be like I'm out I'm out you know that kind of way towards now I can have three or four and I'm like I'm actually happy with that and I think that was the biggest thing the next meal just to go back to what you'd normally have and it's something as simple as that can actually just change your whole relationship with food and that whole idea of food freedom um but in terms of what you were asking me about the measure of or what were you asking me sorry before that how oh, my body acceptance yeah so I have spent the last 
I'd say since my mid-20s, like literally hating my body. I didn't always, but from, I'd say mid-20s. And I was thinking about it towards the end of the summer. I was obviously a philosopher. <laughs> What's the word? time for me? I was pondering back over the summer. But I was like, I haven't treated my body with respect over the last, like it, that it deserved over the last X number of years. As in, I definitely did not give it the nutrition it deserved. I definitely overdrank. But in return, I've never been sick to much wood, like with an illness or anything like that. You know, um, I've never I've been able to get pregnant easily, have kids, recover. Even when I had a lot of weight on, I was still able to run and not be injured. And when I started with you, I was doing strength training, which I hadn't done before, injury-free. I'm now starting to train for an event in November. And I'm like, my body is given this all to me. And in return, I'm absolutely hating on it. <laughs> and when you weigh up both sides, you're like, it just, when you actually, I think I wrote it down. And when you actually look at it, you're like, there's a mismatch there. Like, that doesn't add up. So what it's giving you versus what you're giving it. And you touched on it recently in a podcast and it really stood out for me. It's so true. Like you're here judging yourself naked. Who sees you naked? <laughs> like genuinely. How many times like, okay, your partner or husband or wife or give young kids and they're running on top of you. But like, that's it. And you spend so much time judging yourself in that situation. Why? Like, and those people that I just mentioned, they're not with you because of that. And if they are, not really a solid place for a relationship, but like, it's not like they're not with you because of that. You know, it's because of who you are and the connection you have. But when that hit home to me, I was like, you know what? And remember, I have, I actually have the, what I put in on my non-scale victory because I was like, I read it out. So I now measure my progress and how I've grown to love and appreciate myself and what my body can do for me at this stage of my life. This means more to me than any number on a scale or other measurement. And I'm like, that's it. Like, that is it. Pretty powerful. But it took, yeah, it is powerful. But it took me a long time to get to that point. And it's probably maybe the stage of my life I'm at as well. But I wish I accepted it more than before now. You know, I really do. Because... I've seen it firsthand, like life is too short to be hating on your body. And when you just, when you actually write it down, it just doesn't make sense. It's very skewed in terms. So, you know, the hate you give your body versus what it gives you, it doesn't add up. Um, yeah, that was my latest, one of my latest, um, I don't know what word to use for it, but probably game-changing moments for me in terms of the whole transformation has been accepting that. But there's so much in there. Like we've been talking for probably about 50 minutes, 45. Yeah. I know you could go shortly. So probably be in the classroom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I think there's so much in there. Like I think there's something in there that someone's going to, everyone can take something from that. I think for me, the biggest thing and the biggest change was being present. And the second one was willing to accept that you didn't need to give up the the memories. But I think when, when you went into the counseling, knowing that that wasn't the aim, because some people go into it with the fear of judgment. That's the big thing that people go into counseling with. But for you, it was like, oh, I don't want to be like, have to shut off these memories. But if anything, it actually did the opposite and made them more vivid and made them more transparency and made them stronger now someone else might not get that experience but what i'm saying is it's pretty cool to see the work that you've done on yourself over like we've been working together again for probably the last like eight nine months the last eight nine months like going forward like mm -hmm. the mental freedom that you have and the mental capacity you have to actually be present with your kids be present with your partner be present with your family and just be present with yourself yeah. it's pretty cool to see and i don't think if you ever if you look i know you've got your challenge or whatever it is in november there was no way in hell you would have thought about doing that a couple of years ago yeah. but uh, 
Like, Shane, I, and I know you hate compliments, but I'm going to say, like, honestly, people say that, like, you've changed my life, but if I hadn't started with you, I do worry as to where I would be now because I was such at such a bad place in my life and I could easily have gone to, like, I remember there was a new gym set up locally and everyone was getting all these three-month transformations from this guy in there. And, like, one of my friends went, and I remember she was like, oh, my gosh, she looked amazing. And I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't do that. And I could, I could easily have done that. If I didn't got a three-month, like, transformation, that would not have looked at any of the areas you just mentioned. Like, I had no idea we were going to ever talk about any of those. Like, if anyone is listening, it gets never too late to change. That's what I want to say. Like, even if you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s like you still have a lot of life left to live and it's never like I would have said there's no way I would have been able to do that if you said that to me last December that I'd be in this position now I would have been like no way I remember I think you even said it to me at some point in long you were like you look back at 23 now and you'd be like oh my god and I'm thinking will I but like if I can change I've had years as you said those stories like 40 years of stories you know, and I was able to, but Shane, you have such a talent. Like you are naturally talented at just, you have this, oh, I don't even know how to describe it, but like in terms of like, I know mindset is such an important thing for you, but like there's very few PTs I can think, I can think of one other, you probably know who I'm talking about from Galway, I can think of one other guy who just deals with that whole idea. Yeah, like of, when you look at the mindset and your connection and your relationship with food, everything else just follows. Like we didn't focus on weight. We didn't focus on, and there was the whole thing of having no, that was another thing, having no end date and no end weight was another game changer as well. Where I wasn't going to you saying, I want to be X amount by X date. Like that was just the freedom of all of that, you know? And I would say to anyone out there that's listening, if you're in a position to get a coach, oh my God, to say Shane would change your life. And I know there was an email recently, Shane, that I saw and I'm like, that is me. It was another client that worked with you. And like, I was reading that email going, she was probably in a similar position to me as in years of stories or whatever, and then worked with you for X number of months and is a different person. And she was talking about food freedom and like, it's so possible to do if you have the right person behind you. And I know you're always so modest and you're like, it's the work you've done, but I'm like, no, it's not. It's the guidance that you've given me because there's so many times if it was the work I was just doing, I would have given up like back in February, March, you know, but um, yeah, if I say to anyone that's listening and you want to make that change in your life, honestly, I can't think of anyone else other than yeah but we won't go there but <laughs> I can't think of anyone else other than Shane who could do that and even if you can't afford one-to-one like you have the female fat loss program and I know the work you do with those clients is freaking impressive like so you probably do go above and beyond for those clients in the group as well so like that's another option and I would say to you you will not regret it like I am a 100% a different person to who I was nine months ago and it's because of you. So thank you, sir. Take a bow. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. you. And you know I don't take compliments very well. So I really yeah. wanted to have a few for you. <laughs> yeah, if if because Emer has asked me not to use the uh, video, so I'm glad she's not using the video to uh, see how uh, awkward I am. Oh yeah. Um, but it's been incredible. Incredible. Yeah, no, but and it's 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 been a very different journey from the first time. The first time was for, but the first time you did put a deadline on it. Mm. Um. Yep. But but I didn't have the skill set as a coach to go through what you were like to to work with, what you were trying to work with. Um, and I'll always remember the the second phone call of like, we're not ready to lose weight. I was like X Y Z. It's like, well, I'm happy to wait. And you're yeah. like, I'm here you to give you my money. <laughs> you have some patience, though. Like, and even I was saying that before as well, just to let you know, like, you had me so 
you had so much work done with me that I remember going to counselling and the counsellor asking me questions. She was like, oh my God, your awareness is amazing. And I'm like, hmm, that was me, Shane Walsh's instruction. I was telling her about you. And she was like, that's incredible. And I was like, he's the reason I'm here. And she's like, I've never heard of coaches like here around these parts referring clients to counselling. She was like, who is that guy? But honestly, I was so prepared. And I think that's why I had such success as well in counseling because you had gone through so much of the work with me and gone through so much of the stories and just my awareness was unbelievable um so thank you again it's <laughs> like the compliment not to end yeah, no. i'm gonna That's have it. to i'm gonna have to I like to <laughs> I'll, yeah i'll have to go into like a cinema club now to like get not back down into reality <laughs> oh, um, but no thank you for doing this because i know you were kind of hesitant to do it um but I, I appreciate you doing this because it's not easy to come on and talk about life and all that kind of stuff so i do appreciate you coming on uh, and i know you have to go now anyway so i will uh we'll finish we'll wrap up but um thank you so much for for sharing that and you should be extremely proud of where you're at thanks so much for having me no worries thank you so much to emer for coming on and sharing her amazing journey on the podcast it's really cool to see the changes that she's made from very different where she was the first time we worked together to where we're at now so thank you to Emer for for sharing that if you've enjoyed the episode please do tag me up on to your stories leave a review up on itunes share it with friends share it with people it will be really really appreciated because it's it's a it's quite a powerful quite quite a powerful episode if you're interested in working with me please do pop me a dm or you can click on the link into the show notes and we can book in a free welcome call. So hopefully you've enjoyed this episode and thank you again for Emer for coming on. Please leave a review up on iTunes and up on Spotify.